Our scripture readings today come from the Hebrew Bible. First, we have Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruits of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down to Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders, and brought us into this place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of that ground to you, O Lord, that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. It's good to see all of you this morning. How are you? I heard a few of you say grateful. That's good. That's good. You know, I've got to tell you a funny story. Julie and I were... were out somewhere, and we were going. We 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 were um, far enough away from home where we we weren't going to be eating at home. We didn't know where to eat. We found something called a Shake Shack. Have any of you been to a Shake Shack? This was my first time in a Shake Shack. So we went in, read the menu, got to the cashier, and she said, kind of with that um, script, "Welcome to Shake Shack. Thank you for coming. How are you?" <laughs> I said, I'm grateful. <laughs> she said, she came out of her script and she kind of went, what did you say? <laughs> I said, I'm grateful. She looked at her colleagues and she leaned over and she said, I am too. <laughs> and then it got better. She said, God is good. I said, all the time. <laughs> We had this little church break out right there at the Shake Shack counter. Oh, it is good to be thankful, even in the mess of our lives, even in the mess of our world, sometimes gratitude may be all that keeps us centered 
and focused and grounded in God's love. And it may take every bit of intentionality to be grateful. The scriptures from the Hebrew texts that Brian read today from Deuteronomy are this wonderful invitation to remember how people have done this in the past. And perhaps might be a way for us to move forward in the context of our nation, in the context of our world. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 1, the recommendation is this. I know you can't see me through the Reformation door over there, but I'm still here. Um, the recommendation is this. When you come to the land God is giving you, take the first fruits of the harvest and give it to God. So the recommendation, the wisdom, the word of God to the people of Israel was when you first get to the land that God provides for you, take the first fruits. Not what's left over after you pay your bills. The first fruits, the first 10% of the harvest, give it to God. Don't wait to see if you have enough. Take the first fruits and give it to God. Then say, so this is a text, this is a ritual, this is a, a script that the people of Israel were given. After you do that, then say, Today I have come into the land God has given to my ancestors, a wandering foreigner from Aramea, who went to Egypt and lived as an alien. Do you see what God is saying to the people of Israel and to us? God is saying, remember that your ancestors were foreigners. Remember that your ancestors were aliens. Remember that your ancestors were not treated well because of the country from which they came. They were outsiders. They were marginalized. They were written off. They were oppressed. Don't forget that. That is part of who you are, part of who we are. Does that sound like the United States of America? Unless we are Native Americans, we are all aliens. We are all from a different country. And the script that, were, you know, that was given to the early Jewish people may be the same script for us. To remember, we're aliens. We're not originally from here. And our ancestors were treated poorly. It's as if God was saying to the people of Israel, don't forget that. Even though you're in the promised land now, don't forget what has happened to you and your people. Because that will give you a renewed compassion for aliens who are in your midst now. That will renew a warmth of heart that keeps you loving of all people. And it has a, we have a better chance to not oppress whoever it is that is on the margins of our society then and now. The script that Deuteronomy says we are to continue to recite says, remember that we were slaves, we were mistreated, we were outsiders, we were oppressed, then we were liberated, brought to a land of milk and honey, and out of that milk and honey, give your first fruits. 
This is the script that was given to the Jewish people whenever they would come into the, the temple with their first fruits. They'd give the basket offering to the priest. The priest would bring it to the altar and then they would go through this litany of remembering that they were oppressed, they were foreigners, then they were delivered, liberated, brought to the land of milk and honey where they are invited to give thanks. Now, this is really where it, it's as if we didn't get the message the first time with this, Deuteronomy goes on to say, and then after you do that, give thanks to God with the Levites and the aliens who are in your midst. Give thanks to God with the Levites and the aliens who are in your midst. What Deuteronomy is saying to the people of Israel and to us is that giving thanks it cannot be done in isolation. It must be done with a, a community that's much bigger than our tribe, much bigger than those who are on the inns, those who are acceptable, so to speak, but it's with all people. Those who are marginalized, those who are oppressed, those who are foreigners in our midst, we're called to give thanks with them. Now, if that's not enough, Deuteronomy goes on to say in the next verse, then once you give your 10% to God, after you give thanks with the Levites and the aliens, then look for aliens, orphans, and widows who are hungry and give them food so that they have their fill. Do you see what the people of Israel were invited into? This flow of gratitude that was more than just giving God thanks, which is a good thing to do. It's giving God thanks, giving of our hard-earned harvest, and then going out and looking for people who are not from here and making sure they have enough to eat, looking for the widows and making sure they have enough to eat, looking for the orphans, making sure they have enough to eat. It is a, a life cycle of compassion, a life cycle of generosity that begets generosity that begets generosity. You've heard me recently talk about the neuroscience of gratitude. Scientists are proving what the early church and early Judaism intuited. Neuroscientists are studying the brain and how it functions. Do you know that when we hear or think a negative thought, an angry thought, a fearful thought, a hate-filled thought, that takes a split second, a nanosecond, to take root in the synapses of our brain, negative, fearful, angry, hate-filled thoughts are like Velcro in the brain. They stick immediately. They myelinate, they form neural grooves, and they become part of us in a nanosecond. Do you know how long it takes for gratitude, love, compassion to take root in our synapses? and to become myelinated and part of our brains, 15 seconds. It takes 15 seconds for thoughts of gratitude, love, and compassion to become part of our 
synapses firing, part of our neurological groove. It is myelinated and then set. 15 seconds. I don't know about you, but how many negative thoughts do we take in in a day that become part of us? And how often do we have something that causes us gratitude and we sit for 15 seconds with it? This is why we meditate. This is why we contemplate. This is why we are learning contemplative practices in this church. Because we want our brains to become hardwired to receive gratitude in a way that it becomes part of us. We want to practice spiritual disciplines such as contemplation and meditation so that we become more loving and compassionate followers of Jesus. Fifteen seconds. I would add, or more. In a few moments, we're going to be invited to think about one or two aspects of this church that causes us to be grateful. And we're going to spend about 15 seconds with those thoughts so that hopefully it myelinates and takes deep root in our brain and in our soul. I just want to share with you some things I'm grateful for in this church, even in the last 24 hours. Yesterday morning, we met at a parishioner's house, uh, a men's breakfast from 9 until about 10.15. We had some food, some coffee. We sat around in the living room, had some conversations. One of the men said, you know, I really seek your collective wisdom on something. I'm facing a very difficult situation at work, and I think I know what's ethical, but I'm not sure how to handle it, and I want your feedback. It was a beautiful moment of the guys sharing their experience, sharing what they have experienced in dealing with unethical behavior in the workplace and how they've handled it, and how sometimes they've paid a price for that. We talked about praying for the situation, we all expressed our gratitude for the authenticity that was in the room and for this particular man's desire to be ethical. I found myself grateful for family promise that has been meeting here all week hosting folks who are homeless, welcoming them, providing warm meals for them, providing a bed for them downstairs, providing a space for them to just be. I'm grateful for the hospitality that is expressed in these hallways this week with the Family Promise Ministry. I'm grateful for the guests who have given us the opportunity to share love, I'm grateful for, for the fact that this church opens its doors to people in need. I'm grateful that last, yesterday afternoon, we gathered here at 4 o'clock, people from our congregation, people who have never been here, who knew 
that we were having a, a, a blue Christmas service, a service that acknowledges that we're facing holidays that may, for some people, not feel like a Hallmark card. And we were able to acknowledge that, that God is with us in the imperfect thanksgivings around imperfect families and imperfect and sometimes even sad landscape of approach to Advent and Christmas. We prayed with one another. We sang with one another. We had a, an anointing here where we anointed with oil and prayed for people who were in need. I'm grateful for the Chatham United Methodist Church that offers through the Stephen ministry such ministries of compassion. I'm grateful for the many people who work behind the scenes to make worship happen this morning. I'm grateful for the ministry of music, the ministry of hospitality that happens every Sunday when these doors open. I'm thankful for the trustees who make sure that we have enough heat in the winter and air conditioning in the summer. I'm thankful for Donald who keeps this place so immaculate. I'm thankful for the small groups that are about to start for Advent where Christians come together to explore with one another what it is to be a faithful follower of Jesus. That's where people grow in faith, in small groups. It may not be here on Sunday morning. It may be in the rooms down the hall where people can share their struggles, their faith, their honesty, their prayers with one another. I'm grateful to be serving a church that can muster not only civility post-election, but a desire to deeply listen to one another, to recognize that our nation is divided, our congregation is divided, our denomination is divided, and Christ has called us for such a time as this to listen deeply to the pain that one another has and to listen deeply to the dreams and visions one another have for building up what Dr. Martin Luther King called beloved community. This is not easy. But I'm grateful to be serving a congregation that has this desire. I'm grateful to be serving a congregation that opens its doors to Jews, Muslims, and Christians of other denominations for lunch. Put it on your calendars. January 31st, 2017, the first 100 people to sign up will have a delicious meal. We're going to max out Rada Hall. We won't have enough room for all the people in the community who want to come to have a meal with Jews, Muslims, and Christians where we will talk about the theme, what does healing and wholeness look for the greater community from each of our faith traditions? I'm grateful to be serving a church that can open its doors so easily, so gracefully to that, because not all churches can do that. These are just a few. I want to invite you to think about what it is in your experience of this church that may be a long experience, it may be a very short experience. You may have just come here. Think of something you're grateful for. Write it on this card that you have and come up to this Reformation door which was made by one of the RISE teams which goes to Appalachia every summer to rebuild homes. This door is symbolic of the door that Martin Luther pinned his 
95 theses to of the Wittenberg Chapel in Germany calling for the church to reform. Reform is always happening for churches that are alive. And gratitude is such an important thing to bring us into difficult discussions. Gratitude grounds us. So I'm hoping that we can pin these ideas up here. And after the service, come look at them. I'll probably put them up on Facebook. But look at them and see what other people are grateful for. It may grow our understanding of what gratitude for this church looks like. As you're writing and as you're coming forward with it, I imagine you will be sitting with these ideas for more than 15 seconds. But you might ask God to let this gratitude that each of you and each of us have take root in our brains and in our hearts. Come and pin them up when you are ready. Friends, what we have written may be more important than just an exercise this morning. It may be what we hang on to. It may be what we keep coming back to. It may explain to us as individuals and us as a church why we give to this church, why we support the ministries of this church, why we pledge our money to this church. The answer is maybe here. After the service, I invite you to come and read what other people might be saying so that our gratitude will grow. Amen.